One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, movie truthers. Welcome to this week's episode of Truth and Movies. I'm Michael Leader. I'm Hannah Strong. And I'm David Jenkins. On the show this week, Channing Tatum makes his co-directorial debut with the K9 Road movie Dog. And so in Film Club, we're celebrating what many consider to be Tatum's top turn to date in Magic Mike XXL. And then we're going to hear about all the goss, the hot takes and the tips from the Berlin Film Festival. All coming up on Truth and Movies, a Little White Lies podcast. Yes, welcome back, listeners. Hannah, welcome back. You had a whirlwind trip to Berlin weekend just passed. I did. Well, yeah. How did that go? Um, yeah, it was nice. It was a very short but sweet. Um, it was only four days, and only three festival days, so not ideal. But um, managed to fit in a fair amount of films, and it's one of my favorite cities and one of my favorite festivals. So it was very nice to be back and great to see them able to host an in-person festival this year after two years um mm-hmm. so yeah i had i had a great time and it was very well organized i was very impressed with their kind of covid protocols because germany takes it a lot more seriously than we do as they should um so yeah i have to say not that maybe not the strongest lineup um mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. There was some good stuff there. And, uh, you know, I think it is just everyone's at that stage where it's just kind of nice to be at a festival again. I'm sure. We'll be talking about some tips from the festival at the end of the show. But one word I want to say to you, Hannah, Burgermeister. (laughs) Yeah, so when I used used to live in Berlin and Burgermeister, um, at the time there was only one branch of it and it was located in uh, the east of the city under a U-Bahn station. So you would have to make the kind of pilgrimage. In a disused public toilet, no less. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you had to make the pilgrimage, but it was open till like three in the morning. So it was like, a you know, a good place to go um, after you'd been at a bar. And it was just like a re- really great burger. Um, it has changed slightly since I was there. You used to be able to get all these kind of like different toppings um, and like really great sauces. Like you could get like a peanut sauce on your burger or you could get a, like a mango sauce. They don't, they've kind of pared back the menu a bit, but... Um, now they have them, they've sort of um, expanded and they have them all over Berlin. And it's, yeah, if, if you're in the city and fancy a burger, I would highly recommend. The closest thing I can compare it to is if anyone's been to Los Angeles or like California in the States, like in and out is like a cult there. And I would say it's, it's kind of like Berlin's version of in and out. Uh, and I will say they have this amazing thing on their menu now, uh, a blueberry cheesecake cookie. My God. It's so good, so good. I'm sorry, but I, 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 this, this actually makes me really upset because, like, you just know the next time, like, basically in in like six months' time, there's going to be like a Burgermeister in every like European airport and every shopping center, and they're going to be everywhere. It's going to be like the kind of Five Guys of vacation of of, of the world. And, the uh, uh, the uh, Ed's Easy Diner, yeah. <laughs> London hotspot to RIP. To uh, um, Iceland favourite. I, I, I much prefer when these things stay like the kind of little cult spots that, that are just doing their thing. Obviously, that that, that rails against the uh, uh, global capitalism and uh, and and the happiness that that will surely bring to them. But um, I don't yeah. know. I I don't know. I think I think it will probably stay like a Berlin thing. Um, Berlin's very good at kind of. Um, keeping things on the kind of down low um it's it one of the things that kind of surprised me about the city is how many places that i used to go to are still going but still kind of feel 
like little spots that you could discover and um you know you would think it's like some like secret only you found um and it is like it's interesting because i don't think the city has changed that much at all since i i lived there eight years ago which feels like a really long time now it makes me feel very old but you know i very very much like london i i think that there are massive changes kind of going on over there and a lot of like rallying against like gentrification but it is i think it's yeah if i could if we hadn't left the eu i would be back there in a heartbeat i think it's a gorgeous city and great for um like a weekend away very cheap um in terms of like accommodation and food and yeah just just a really great place and the the germans are like the most accommodating lovely people um and you don't work for the german tourist board (laughs) just to to make this clear uh yeah if we could if we could get my sponsorship going that would be that would be really swell um no i i yeah and the festival again i like i highly recommend it to anyone particularly i think festival first timers i think it's a really nice way to kind of dip your toe in because it is like it is very well organized and um it's most of it is kind of contained to one area of the city there is stuff going on in other places but um yeah it's quite an easy one to navigate and also you're in berlin so you're not um totally kind of isolated if you want to kind of go and do other touristy stuff well that was our review of berlin (laughs) i'm not gonna put scores on a city oh five five Um, five (laughs) (laughs) david how are you doing how are things at the white lies towers any news yeah, just uh, trucking along. We're, we're sort of getting getting there with our next issue, uh, which um, is coming together. Obviously, we can't say what what's on the cover, <laughs> um, but it's it's an exciting one. Very different tonally from from Licorice Pizza. Couldn't be more different, in fact. Um, which is how which is how we like it. So it'll be nice sort of U turn from stylistically um yeah it's looking it's looking good it's going to be a a bit a busy week next week just to sort of get everything get everything down and ready but uh yeah excited for it to be wrapped up and sort of should be should be out in the world sort of early mid march so yeah exciting never stop start your theories and predictions now indeed (laughs) (laughs) okay so we should move on to this week's new releases or should i say new release we're only going to focus on one new release this week which is dog here's a bit of synopsis for dog Dog tells the story of U.S. Army Ranger Briggs, played by Channing Tatum, who is called in to transport Army K-9 Lulu to the funeral of her deceased handler, Nuke. While Lulu and Briggs initially start off on the wrong foot, their cross-country journey brings them closer together as they battle their way through a series of unexpected events. David, I'll come to you first for this. This, uh, what, What's the vibe here with Dog? So this is Channing Tatum. Actually, look back. This is the first time we've seen him in a starring role in a good few years, I think. Yeah, yeah, he does appear to have taken a bit of time off um and 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 is now back. Uh, maybe this was his kind of pet project. Pet project? No. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um Yeah, um it to be to like I came I came to this not really knowing much about it but purely because I don't the 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 world the shady world of film marketing hasn't necessarily wanted the world to to know much about it which um you know obviously causes you to to cre- to create your own narrative as as to why that is but actually upon seeing it it's one of those actually very surprising little treats that um is it, you know it, it's kind of it's Channing Tatum doing Channing Tatum you know he, the, the, there's there's no other way to say it really he is playing the sort of version of himself that we see in so many movies um like like and probably you know foremost magic mike um i always found with him that maybe when he when he does do a kind of serious character turn that there's there's just something not quite right and he if he's if he's sort of suppressing that sort of jokey patter that he he does so well um and that you know that 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 kind of fun loving vibe that he he bring he brings to the screen then it it just feels like he's he he's not being himself he's not letting his true self shine and i think 
I think in this in Dog, you get a hundred percent pure, unconcentrated Tatum, and <laughs> and 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 that is a good thing. I think um, you know he is like I was saying to Hannah after we saw the screen screening, we were like, you know, it's that it is that old thing of like the 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 concept of movie the classical concept of the movie star and like you go to see something for the star rather than the than the story or the the franchise or the the IP that it's linked to and I I I think that Tate like maybe maybe it's not the case that people are, 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 the, the maybe not the maths and the box office is going to work but you know I guess we'll see when dog when dog actually comes out but like it feels like Tatum is one of those guys who like could you know people go and see the film for him rather than the film itself so uh you know and it is very much a a starring vehicle um he co-directs and with his um uh with a producer reed carolyn who has uh, who who is who wrote the first magic mic and has been a kind of collaborate collaborator with him for a while um uh it's a very, for for a film that's like a you know for a director of debut that he also stars in it's actually a very humble film you know he he's not he's there's no sort of like he's not a kind of deified character and there's no sense that of he of him it's not the kind of costner effect where he is like suddenly making himself look like jesus christ every 5 minutes <laughs> um or look making himself look really cool he's very sort of i think what i love about about uh, about Channing Tatum. Sorry, I was about to call him Magic Mike, but what I love about Channing Tatum <laughs> is he is extremely so, like he appears as extremely self-effacing, and like very much happy to like, you know, put himself, you know, use himself as the butt of jokes. And uh, I don't think there's actually that many stars who will do that. Maybe like Adam Sandler is is probably one of the other ones I can think of off the top of my head, but. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll let Hannah kind of go in a bit deeper on the on the yeah. film itself, but but yeah, it's a it's certainly nice to have him back. I I I got I must say I didn't realize it had been so long, but there you go. Well, I think it was 2017. He was in the Kingsman sequel and Logan Lucky, mm. and he's been in like voice roles and cameos since. I think he took that's a, he took a little while off to um, spend time with his kids. Um, right. which is a very noble thing to do. It's also what Ryan Gosling did. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of nice to see, because I think in Hollywood, you know, there's still that thing of, like, um, an actress takes off time and, you know, she has to kind of sacrifice her career to raise kids. But um, you don't see it that often with, with fathers. So I think it, it's very sweet. And he posts a lot about his daughter on Instagram. I believe he wrote um, a, a, a children's book for her. Um, which is very sweet. He he just seems really wholesome, which is so funny when you contrast against the fact that he play his like famous most famous role is, is as a stripper, and you know he's been in so many films about kind of like blowing up the president and stuff. Um, <laughs> but you know I yeah I have such a soft spot for him, and I didn't always used to be that way. I used to feel real resistance towards Channing. I think because he was so aggressively marketed to my age group um, of teenage girls. You know when he did like Step Up and everything. And I was like, no, I resist this uh, strange, muscly man. And um, it was only, I think, probably after I saw, um, what would it have been? I'm trying to think, what would have changed my mind about Channing? I think, Jump Street? No, I think it was Jump Street, yeah. I think it was Jump Street. And then I saw um, like Side Effects, which is only in a small role, but... Um, Jump Street, I think, is a masterpiece. It's a, a modern masterpiece, that film. He has such crazy good chemistry with Jonah Hill. And uh, 22 Jump Street, the rare case of a sequel being just as good as the original. I think those films are really fun. And yeah, as David has said, like with Channing, you do kind of want the full, the full fat version. You want the kind of um, super charming, kind of goofy... Um, stage presence which contrasts so beautifully from the fact that he does look like this kind of all-american like football player and then he has like the kind of on-screen presence of like a golden retriever um i really think there couldn't have been a more perfect project for him as his directorial debut alongside reed carolyn because it is just you know what two hours 90 minutes two hours i don't know it didn't feel like a long time um it's, it's uh, normal length 
it's normal then <laughs> uh, of um of Channing and a dog like I you know I want to see that and so so to to explain more to the to the listeners um this it's a very kind of straightforward story of this ex-US army ranger who's been discharged from the army because he had a brain injury when his um, vehicle was struck and (laughs) his best friend or like kind of comrade from the um army was had a dog with him, uh, a Belgian Malnois, Malnois, Malnois. Anyway, a Belgian <laughs> shepherd um, called Lulu, and the, you, you get this really sweet opening montage where it's kind of setting up who dog is, <laughs> and um, the dog was injured in the blast as well. So the dog has a lot of residual trauma from um, from serving in the military, and his friend has died. So. Um, it's up to Channing to take this. I'm, I'm going to just call him Channing because it doesn't really mm. matter what his name is in the film. Because it's basically Channing. It is yeah. Channing. Um, he, he is tasked with taking the dog cross-country from Oregon to Arizona for the funeral. So it's a road movie with Channing and a dog. Like um, Army, Turner and Hooch is, is kind of mm-hmm. what they're going for. And, you know, or you know what else it reminded me of? The straight story, weirdly yeah. enough. Um, oh, now it got me interested. It does yeah. have it does have that kind of like it. it what well, I think one of the its pleasures is it does have that kind of hokey, slightly counterculture charm where he's the people he visits are these kind of delightful, you know, um, slightly kind of backward types who are who are <laughs> who, who, who 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 could easily have just been these kind of grotesques, but actually turn out to be quite lovely. Yeah, the, yeah. There's a, a wonderful scene early on, and you think it's kind of going to go one way and turn into this like action sort of like thriller, but it goes the complete opposite way. It's very sweet. I won't spoil it because I think it is one of the great kind of um, moments in the film and features a amazing sequence where Channing is just in like a floral house robe, just like hanging out, and um, you know he knows he knows what the what the what the public want, and he's willing to give it to them, and. Yeah, I'm very glad that this is his kind of uh, return to the forefront. I'm very, I think, I think he is just um, an entertainer, an old school song and dance man, and we don't have enough of those. Um, mm. My only kind of request is, you know, someone out there cast him in a musical for God's sake. <laughs> I feel like he's or been Cohen's. campaigning for so long. Well, the Cohen brothers did inhale Caesar, I suppose. Yes, exactly. In, in yeah, now make a full version of that. <laughs> I don't want like a five-minute sequence telling me like, and this is what you could have had. I I want the whole thing. I you know he's such a, a pro when it comes to that sort of thing, and no sort I, of sense of ego with him. Mm. We'll come to the scores in a second, but I suppose Hannah. What's interesting about Sharon Tatum, we've said that he is a, a bona fide star. These are star projects, star vehicles, and you come for his vibe. He's always had this role behind the scenes as producer. He's produced a lot of his own projects. This is the first time he's behind the camera. Do you get a sense of what that vision is as a filmmaker as well as a star, or is it just keeping the vibe going? Yeah, I mean, I would say... Um... I don't necessarily... I didn't come away going, wow, the direction there was amazing. Um... It, to me, was kind of, um, you know, I don't think it's doing anything particularly interesting kind of behind the camera. I do think that Reed Carolyn's script is way more interesting than it has to be for that sort of film. Um, It's, you know, it's kind of drawing in this idea of what men who have been in the army do when they get out and the idea that when you get out of the army, the only kind of thing left for you to do is go back to the army or go back as a private contractor which is kind of the main thrust and um i think it has some really sort of like sweet ideas about masculinity and like what it means to be a man and i actually could see people going to see this thinking it's going to be kind of an american sniper type thing and it's really not it's kind of the the wholesome version of that well actually it's funny you say that because on the direction front I think the thing it actually did re- really remind. It's very Eastwoody. It's very kind <laughs> of like, um, I think sometimes when you have actors who direct, they're very kind of that they, they want to sort of show off that they 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 know how to do more than just point the camera at the actors, and they have all these kind of weird camera movements or handheld or 
weird cra like crazy transitions and this has none of that it's completely like you know that it's it's kind of invisibly directed like functional but in the best possible way um it's you know um it's maybe it's little le little less rough rough around the edges than some of the late clint but but um but yeah no it's a kind of prof professional job but in 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 in, in, in it, you know professional clean uh, you know mm -hmm. mil military military op direction <laughs> <laughs> okay let's put some scores on dog david i'll come to you first so in anticipation enjoyment in retrospect out of five um well, I'd, I'll, I'll give I'll basically give you the same as my review. Um, my anticipation was fairly modest, to because just because it the film seemed it felt like the film was being buried, and I, I maybe took that on board a bit too much. Maybe a four for enjoyment because it's like just a, a film that kept my attention for for ninety minutes. It took a very um, conventional, templated, seen a seen a hundred times before plot. And played it out in a way that actually did feel fresh and engaging and bringing something new. And actually, strangely, for this type of like buddy movie, like, you know, doggy, like pet slash buddy movie, like weirdly unsentimental. Um, like it does. It, there, there's maybe like one or two moments that that really kind of tug the heartstrings, but they're they're really like properly earned. There's no like, you know, that otherwise it it's very very it actually doesn't sort of go like feed from that trough too often um so yeah also can i just quickly shout out to to a friend of mine called francis who is like a major major um channing stan and vet gets very excited for every channing release and uh she she messaged me said don't tell me what happens in in the in this film and because I because I liked the film, I sent her a message saying like, "Oh, it's it's actually good, and it's, he's really good in it." And she got really angry with me because she was like, "I didn't want to know." So like, um, I just want to I just want to take this this chance to apologise for that on it, live on air because I I I know how seriously she takes her Channing. Uh, so um, yeah, massive apologies. Sorry, Francis. Hannah, what scores would you give Dog? Um, I'm going to go, I think, you know, I think it's actually probably the same as David. Um, two, because I think I, I really was concerned about this. I just think it had potential to be quite bad. And Channing, bless him, has made some bad films. Um, but then four, I was very entertained throughout, kind of. Uh, I do think maybe it's that thing of when you go in expecting something to be bad, you're, like, just pleased it's not bad. <laughs> so I don't know if... Um, you know, it would it would be the same on a rewatch, and then a three in um, retrospect. But I I will give the caveat that it could be a four. I'm I think I probably would rewatch this quite happily, and yeah, I'm excited to see where Channing goes in this kind of new chapter. I'm very excited for the Lost City, which we're going to be doing in a few weeks. I think, which is Channing and Sandra Bullock, and I think Sandra is another underrated comedic talent. So I think um, that will be a fun one. I can't wait for film club for that week. Can we do Miss Congeniality? Because that is a really good Ooh. film. Oh yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. a really good yeah. film. The listeners are seeing it in light in yeah. uh, real time. How we decide yeah. film club. <laughs> it really is that simple. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> well, there you have it, listeners. That is Dog out this weekend. Let us know what you make of it if you do see it at the pictures, or what you make of Chang Tatum in general. Let us know at Elderly Lies on Twitter or truthandmovies at tcolondon.com via email. Up next, we're going to keep with Channing Tatum. We're talking about Magic Mike XXL. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Picking up the story three years after Mike bowed out of Stripper Life, Magic Mike XXL finds the remaining kings of Tampa ready to throw in the towel. On the road to their final show with whistle stops in Jacksonville and Savannah to renew old acquaintances and make new friends, Mike and the guys learn some new moves and shake off the past in surprising ways. So this was the follow-up to Magic Mike, follow-up to what was a surprise blockbuster hit. How did this one play for you, Hannah, back in the day? It's like seven years ago now. Yeah. It's an old film. Yeah. Well, I was working in the cinema when it came out, so, you know, wasn't the biggest fan. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of rowdy women um, coming to see this film, um, which, you know, not, not ideal for like a 21-year-old who just wants to make her money and go home. Um, but I have to say, I think this is like... And, and a fr- to, to call back to a phrase that... Um, David Jenkins kind of coined when we did Paddington 2 all those years ago. I think it is a Godfather 2 situation. I think this uh, this is better than the original. Um, basically, this is the film that I think people thought that Magic Mike was going to be. Um, all the marketing around Magic Mike was like, come and watch these sexy men take their clothes off. And then it was actually like a really kind of quite sad and melancholy depiction of uh, late capitalism and how the crash affected blue collar America, um, <laughs> which, you know, a lot of people weren't expecting. If you were a fan of Soderbergh, probably were expecting that. But um, a lot of women, I think, were quite disappointed by how little dancing was involved in Magic Mike. Magic Mike XXL, of course, a lot more dancing, a lot lighter in tone and is really just about these... Uh, pals kind of going on and again another road trip movie Channing loves a road trip um, going on this kind of one last ride down from Florida to South Carolina or up up from Florida to South Carolina um, to participate in this stripping convention and uh, they've been left high and dry by Matthew McConaughey's Dallas and they're kind of down on their luck uh, Channing's not having a great time, or Mike, I should say, is not having a great time having left stripping to start his own furniture company. <laughs> and yeah, you just kind of see them again, go on this trip, meet some interesting characters along the way, uh, do some sexy dancing. Uh, I have to shout out to, um, for my money, the MVP of this, uh, Joe Maginello, uh, I want to say, um, who I think is... Uh, he plays a character called Big Dick Richie, and I just think he's he's like he's such a he's so charming. Again, like I, I kind of want for him what Channing has had, where he's just kind of you know he needs to find his tempo in films, and I think that the Magic Mike films are a very good showcase for him because he looks like this really sort of imposing, you know, very very handsome kind of um, looks like he should be playing like a Bond villain or something, but is actually when you see him kind of the way he moves and the way he acts on screen, he, he seems again like Channing, a bit of a Labrador. And there's a wonderful moment in the film where they're, it's a kind of a montage of them getting ready for this um, stripping convention. And he sat at the table like sewing their outfits and he's got these little glasses on. And it's like his hair, like in a headband. And I just think it's, it's that to me is like kind of the crux of the film. It's this like, not, entirely intentional I don't think like um deconstruction of like toxic masculinity it's just like this group of very very macho men who are totally unafraid to kind of um be open with their emotions and like 
sit there sewing a little outfit you know I just think it's a really um again like dog I think a, a lot kind of more intelligent than it needed to be for a film that's basically a vehicle to get women into the cinema to watch men take their clothes off can I make a big swing here <laughs> would you put Magic Mike double XL and double bill with jackass Oh, yeah. I could definitely see that happening. A raucous night of the pictures. Yeah. Very different reasons. But... Ragtag groups of guys. <laughs> the new Jackass and, and XXL would actually work together about, you know, the sort of one, you know, the, the sort of one final blowout kind of yeah. vibe going on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, the you know, the kind of um, uh, the working class America getting its flowers type type vibe. Um because obviously this is also um, Magic Mike and XL are based on Channing's experiences as a stripper before he became um, an actor. And I don't think he did it for that long, but it's fascinating to see how that material <laughs> under kind of um, Soderbergh's influence. And Reed Carolyn did write the script for both films, but Soderbergh does kind of focus more on like the CD potentially exploitative element whereas XXL I think is more kind of like no these guys know what they're doing they're kind of um they're doing it because they love it and yeah they're maybe thinking about what they want to do with their lives now they're maybe coming to the end of that but it's it's not at all a kind of um sad thing in in XXL Mm. it's very much a kind of um hanging out with the lads doing some dancing type of vibe it, it really wants to be this celebration of the pure expression that can be being a male entertainer but yeah. then also appending all our pe- pe- prejudices and presumptions about what that contract is between the dancer and the audience and it, it you know it, it's quite an episodic structure in terms of the script and how it goes but it, i think it's a really good um you know mission statement about the importance of what th- what these men do. David, what do you make of Magic Mike Double XL? N- not the target audience. Well, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say so. Um, well, they, they, they know what their audience is with these films, but so. Well, I, 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 I mean, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that it wasn't the target audience. I think that, you know, I, I, I like Steven Soderbergh, and this is this has still got his kind of blueprint on it very much. So. Um, actually, two things I would say in response to Hannah. I think that my my MVP of the film is actually Jada Pink- Pinkett Smith uh, as this kind of MC um, who is kind of you know it just just has this audience of of women in the palm of her hands and is kind of is shown. As, I think it, it's interesting because in the first film you have Matthew McConaughey's Dallas, who is the kind of big the big boss daddy of all the strippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, who does who also does the MCing and it's actually it's it's interesting to have have like this is the film where there's a woman who is like the 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 overseer of of them all and um yeah it's really i think she's incredible in it i i i think what one of the big travesties of the of like the tens is that she didn't get a best supporting actress nomination for that for that role because i think she's incredible in it and it just it it's kind of I would I would happily watch like a spin-off film or series of her character. Um uh, uh, yeah, incredible stuff. Um but I also just going back to what you said what we were saying in Dog about Channing doing a musical and for my money this like this film has the I mean I guess it's not a musical in the kind of, you know, it's not West Side Story or Singing in the Rain, but in the, in it it does have i mean for me when i remember seeing it thinking well it, it it's almost a kind of pastiche or or homage to like the, the 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 classic mgm musicals that were basically let's send a group of people from point a to point b and just have them sing some songs or do some dance routines on the way and they can kind of break out of reality and although obviously like the the setup here means that all the dances are couched in the reality of their world and their jobs and there's actually a kind of there, there is a sense of like you know responsibility and sort of financial peril behind the whole thing um it, it does it I, I remember thinking it does have that episodic vibe of a of a um of of a kind of classic classic musical whereas like the first one was more of a kind of character study 
of a guy mm. who was sort of like being torn in all these different directions and you know suffering all these kind of moral quandaries um i think they're like for, for my money I, I like both i probably like both films as much as, as as each other i think they work really nicely as a double bill and i kind of think seeing the second one works better if you've seen the first one as a kind yeah. of as a kind of ba- com- context base um yeah I, I i i really like the film i i think maybe it's it's a film that i i i maybe don't like as much as as i think uh, some a lot, a lot of people do um I, I it's not maybe my favorite of the kind of soderberg or soderberg adjacent <laughs> films like it for me it's a bit like i mean i know again i i Ocean's Eleven seems like a weird, weird comparison because like, but it is Soderbergh. But like, I think I prefer the first Oceans to the second Oceans. And and, and for me, it feels a similar kind of, and I know that mm. some people like the second Oceans best, better as well. Who oh, likes the well, second Oceans better? We need to find no, them. Maybe, we need to okay, find ma- them and like... <laughs> okay, maybe, sorry, maybe I've got that wrong. But... <laughs> anyway. Um, well, what I will say, yeah, I think... Double XL, it's an hour 50, which I think is a bit long, and it should have fully embraced its episodic nature. There is a, the actual sort of subplot through line with Amber Heard, who's a, a character that pops up along the way, and every time she pops up, Mike, Channing Tatum's character, literally leaves the room where all the fun is happening to have a conversation with her. Yeah, um, I would cut so, that character. And very much the same in Magic Mike, I would have cut the whole romance subplot. Doesn't mm. need it. Doesn't need it. Because what this film does have, and I think it does more than the first one, it has so many great just lightning rod moments where magic is happening. And it's like, <laughs> and it's all these cameos. D- Donald Glover coming on screen um, as just one of the most charismatic men on the planet at that point, singing a song. Things, simple things like Andy McDowell. I love Andy McDowell in this. She she plays a sort of um, southern dame divorcee who um, it just loves the idea that a bunch of strippers has has wandered into her mansion and play and toys with it. And and Andy McDowell has had this really wonderful run of supporting performances where she seems so free and liberated and has found what her tone is. So she's playing the mum in the Netflix series Made or Ready or Not, and then this film. She's had this transformation when she, as she's reached late middle age. Um, that's been really wonderful to see. And then, as, as you say, Hannah, Joe Manganiello, also Matt Bomer. You've got you've got these actors who you know, this is, you, we talk about Channing Tatum as a as a star, and these are star vehicles with where he's playing the title character, perhaps. But it really, he really does allow the ground to be ceded to all these other co-stars. And you come out saying, "I want to see Joe Manganiello in more films." Mm, absolutely. Have, ha, has, has that happened? What's his post? XXL he he, he 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 um was going to be a, a villain in the DC universe. Um, he he has a cameo at the end of one of the Batman Superman Justice League type films. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but it hasn't really the, happened the for Snyder him. Snyder cut. He has a cameo. Um, but I think when Snyder kind of walked away, it got um nixed, which is which is sad. Um, because I I like him and I I want more for him. That's um. that's a that's so dub that's double brutal, to 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 initially have your cameo cut, and then for it to be a cameo in an extended four hour film. It's like, <laughs> oof. But listeners, that's Magic Mike Double XL. We've talked about Channing Tatum a lot. We'd love to hear what you make of him as well at the usual channels. But before we go, we're going to talk about the films of the Berlin Film Festival, a sneak preview of some films we'll probably be talking about for the rest of the year. Hannah, you were out there. Any highlights? Any notable films we should mention? Yeah, um, it was a, a bit of a strange year, I think, in terms of lineup. I, I suspect that a lot is being held for Cannes. Um, because usually I think there's kind of a good spread between Berlin and Cannes of kind of high profile stuff. It did feel a little bit more low key this year. Um, but the new, you know, new films from Claire Denis, Peter Strickland, Francois Ozon. Um, so there was a lot for people to kind of get excited about. We also had some really great sound bites out of Andrew Dominic, who um, was there promoting his new. A documentary about Nick Cave but just people kept asking him about his uh, Marilyn Monroe film and he was really like no, no holds barred in kind of talking about that and 
basically saying, ah, oh, in movies, who gives it, which I just love. You know, he's one. He's so he's so candid about like the industry in a way that I think most directors aren't, and I think it's because he's Australian. Um, but yeah, so in terms of what I actually saw, I was only there for three days, so. I was really trying to fit a lot in and sadly I think the festival may have had its better stuff later on but I did get to see the new Claire Denis film um, which is called depending on who you believe it's either called Fire or Fire uh, or Both Sides of the Blade or just Both Sides of the Blade there's some confusion and Um, there's a French title which 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 translates to something completely different which is yeah, called the, l- love and something else um, the french title is fire or with love and fury or something yeah, with, which yeah. apparently is what both sides of the blade refers to right um but it's actually a line from a tinder stick song at the end of the mm. film but anyway both sides of the blade great title they should keep it if anyone in charge of that decision is listening um and it's this uh, drama, very different mode from A, from High Life, but B, from Let the Sunshine In. So it's this relationship drama with, drama with uh, Juliette Binoche and Vincent Lindon, who play this couple whose life is suddenly upended by the arrival of an old friend, uh, played by Gregoire Collin. So it's kind of a greatest hits um, of casting for Denis. We've, we've got uh, Matty Diop has a small role as well, and... Um, Bull Ogier. So it's, you know, Bully Ogier. Bull Ogier. Not sure how you pronounce it. Ogier. I don't know. Anyway, I apologise to anyone who's French listening and having to like hear me butchering your beautiful language. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of a simple, deceptively simple setup and one that I think we have seen throughout the history of film of, you know, a, lo- a love triangle. But as always with Claire Denis, there's a lot more to kind of dig into and everyone's got these little secrets which needle away at them and Vincent Lindon's character is, um, he's been in prison, I don't think they ever really specify what exactly happened but there's some connection with that to uh, Francois, this former friend, former lover of his partner Um, and yeah, it's just a very sad uh but also sexy <laughs> um character study of the these three people specifically it's, it does focus more on Binoche and Lindon's characters that uh, Colin's this kind of like seductive presence in, in just kind of kind of you know drifts in and out and you don't really know that much about him but I think that's why it works because he's that kind of other uh, tempting figure that you know they always they say the grass is green on the other side and I think that Binoche's character is very much kind of thinking oh what could have been if I'd stayed with Francois instead of going off with Jean and yeah I was just really struck by how much kind of love and attention it affords to this really difficult situation and you don't come out of it thinking anyone is the villain really which is quite rare in a film about infidelity you usually come out thinking oh I hated x character but in this one you do understand kind of where everyone is coming from and that's the thing about Claire Denis I think she's very good at dealing in the um um gray parts of morality morality and really making us question where our sympathies lie um I will let David say a few words on it as well because he has seen this one <laughs> Oh yeah, just I guess echoing everything you said. Really, it's it is kind of um, you know for the Claire Denis lover in your life. Really, um, <laughs> it's got it's got all it's kind of got all her. It's the gang back together again. It's Tinder sticks. It's Landon <laughs> Benoche, Gregoire Collin, all all her regular kind of repertoire. It looks and feels like a Denis film. It's um, you know it it has got that kind of you know. She she whips up these like moments of intensity out of nowhere and kind of really I wouldn't say milks them I don't think that's the right word for what she does is but she just puts these kind of uses like editing and camera work and performance and 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 sound and and blocking and dialogue and just all all the tools of the director to just really make these moments feel really intense and uncomfortable sometimes and you know I just think. You know, it's, um, it's yeah, it's just another another 
great movie that I want to see again. And I think, you know, people can sort of pour over and, you know, it's done doing lockdown. It it kind of has a bit, you know, that's this sort of chamber piece um, between these sort of three actors. It feels a little bit like a lockdown film, but then it is also interesting in that, you know, it is a film about kind of, you know, the masks we wear, you know, <laughs> every day and hiding our emotions and, you know, um, and, and the characters are all wearing, like, you know, protective masks at the same time. So, um, you know, adding that kind of extra layer of, of difficulty when it comes to kind of comprehending what our kind of, the people we think we know and love actually are, are thinking about. So, um, yeah, love it. Any other highlights for you, Hannah? Want to shout yes, out to? yeah. Uh, the new Peter Strickland movie, Flux Gourmet, is, uh, I really, it's one where I came out and was kind of like, I don't know what I just saw, but um, the more I thought about it, the more I enjoyed it. It's, and I, I don't say this lightly, uh, it is his weirdest film to date. I think it's so strange and so, it, it kind of just expects that you know what's happening. It's like, yes, yeah, Sonic Catering, of course the audience know what this is. And um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's all about this poor <laughs> French journalist who is a, sort of a, 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 takes an assignment to cover this Sonic Catering college where a new artistic group have taken up a residency under the watchful eye of Jan Stevens, played by um, Gwendolyn Christie, who thrilled to kind of see her in a bigger role after she sort of stole the show in Game of Thrones. I think she's wonderful and I'm always kind of excited when she turns up. Uh, but then it's, you know, a, a sort of um, another vehicle for Fatma Mohammed, who was so good in um, Strickland's other films. So it's yeah a very odd very kind of gross out affair as you might expect um from strickland but wow okay i'm looking forward to seeing yeah i i'm very curious to see what people make of it because i think a lot of people are gonna be totally pissed off by it and uh, um they'll be as always i think with strickland a group of kind of more hardcore fans um but yeah i just think mm -hmm. it's it's always such a thrill to see someone who really has no interest in um bending his vision to suit what might be um agreeable or might be conventional and i think that strickland is one of those directors who really is just like nah f you this is what i want to make a story uh, make a film about and i'm glad that he's getting the funding to do that um it is it's very much kind of if you, if anyone remembers the mr career so um, Monty Python sketch. That's like all I could think about <laughs> watching this. Oh boy. Um, and yeah, I think like our esteemed colleague Charles Romasco um, said that <laughs> it, it tells you a lot about how Peter Strickland might um, or what Peter Strickland might enjoy in the bedroom, which I wouldn't quite agree with, but like it's, you know, it is, it, it, it's definitely an interesting film. And um yeah, I, wow, right. I, I really like has some great has some great set pieces, and yeah, I uh, I'm very excited for other people to kind of experience it. Um, yeah. Gosh, do we have? So we, we're running out of time. Do we have any quick fire tips and recommendations? Really, just bite sized that we well, should look out for. I know, David, you weren't there in person. You probably watched a few from afar. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I guess probably. I, I again, I didn't see this, but it's probably worth maybe mentioning the the, the the film that won the the prize that neither of us saw but we have <laughs> reviewed online yeah it did it did play after i left by the way i don't want anyone to think i just ignored it i i, I couldn't physically watch it but yeah we do have a um review from caitlin crinlan on the website of um it, it's called Al alcrass um and it's by carla simon and it's about a family who's um, kind of ancestral home their like farm is threatened by um, gentrification I guess really um, very much taken from uh, Carla's own life as well and like her previous film Summer 1993 and yeah apparently it's very very good I actually a few people said to me oh did you see it because I'm really curious about it or did you see it because they sorry I really liked it so yeah definitely look out for that one I'm sure that will be getting um a release sometime hopefully this year that's it's really interesting so, but... that now three 
uh, women directors, so in Berlin, Cannes, and Venice, have won the main prize for their second film. Hmm. Fun fact. How's about that? Fun fact. <laughs> no, I, I hope that Alcaraz makes it over here because, if I recall correctly, Summer 1903 had a bit of a quite small release, didn't it? In the end, it did or get did a go release. straight or did it go? I, I think it. Get, I think it went on to movie. Mm. I think I saw it on movie in the end. Yeah, I saw it on movie. It's a really nice film. Remember that was one of those films where um, it went under the radar, but was on a lot of people's end of year lists. Yeah. that year. Peter Bradshaw gave it five stars, and then it was like, I think it became a bit of a talking point, and people sort of scrabbled to to see it and cover it. So, but that is just the the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the Berlin Film Festival. Head to lwlies.com for reviews and other coverage of the festival, and I'm sure we'll be hearing more about these films as the year goes on, and hopefully some of them make it over to the UK. That's your lot, listeners. Let us know what you make of anything we've talked about this week. You, uh, the usual channels, at LWLies on Twitter. Email us, truthandmovies at tcolondon.com. Next week, we're flipping the structure on its head because Film Club next week is a true classic that we sh- that needs to lead the pack. It's the godfather for its 50th anniversary. Then we're also going to be looking at new releases, Le Mif and... The Duke, David, Hannah, thank you so much for joining me this week. It's been such a pleasure talking through these films with you. I might go and check out Dog, I think. Listeners, we'll be here next time and we'll see you then. Truth and Movies is a Little Dot Studios production for Little White Lies. Truth and Movies is hosted by me, Michael Leader, and my guests this week were David Jenkins and Hannah Strong. The podcast was produced by Jake Cunningham and was edited by Steph Watts. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 